Okay, I'll be looking for you Lutherans to come right back at me with that. <laughs> what a pleasure it is to be here this morning. I uh, actually stayed over there. At first service, I played one song, and Darren invited me to play just with uh, the worship group. And I ended up over there and wasn't over here, so you all got to see my pretty shoes. I'll step out and let you see them. Aren't those cool? God's story. Now, you know, my preacher voice comes out. So I'm just going to let you all know that, okay? The preacher voice comes out. So when the preacher voice comes out, and I said in first service that um, in my tradition where I was raised, the preacher and the preaching was communal, right? Um, <laughs> I'm giving y'all all kinds of hints. Come on. So when you hear something that makes sense, just nod your head. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to say, preach on, Annie. All right? Okay. There, who said that? Nice work. I appreciate it. God's story is good news. The Bible is ultimately a story about God who is on mission to the world. It is God's story that defines us all. It makes us who we are and who we can become. Jesus invites us to experience the kingdom through relationship with him. Throughout the Gospels, we find beautiful examples of the way Jesus was with people. In fact, now more than ever, I am aware and become aware more and more that when God came and dwelled among us in the person of Christ, it was much more than just God's presence. God's presence came to be with, come alongside, and be in us, and work through us. As a child, I was petrified of the dark. I was so, so afraid. It was the idea of seeing or experiencing thick darkness. Motel 6 says, we'll leave the light on for you. <laughs> well, in Chicago, Illinois, where I was born and raised, my dad, with five children, he wasn't leaving the lights on for nobody. And I was telling them earlier that every time, it was quite a few of us, and every time we turned the lights off and on, he said, that's three cents. That's three cents. Uh, so he was, he was pretty frugal. Three cents, y'all. Three cents. Scripture informs us that in the creation story, one of the first things 
that God took care of was light. Genesis 1 and 3 says that God commanded there to be light, and there was light. God is light, amen? amen. And we need light just like we need God. There's a physical disorder caused by the lack of light, and it's called seasonal affective disorder. It is caused by a lack of exposure to sunlight, which uh, in turn alters, what's up, Siggy? Good to see you. Alters a person's brain chemistry during the fall and the winter uh, months when the hours of the day are shorter and less light passes through the eyes, it limits a release of an important chemical to the brain called serotonin. You all knew that already, though, didn't you? <laughs> well, let me say it again. When serotonin is not present or there, it's not released in sufficient quantities, symptoms of depression may occur. Yeah, and melatonin is another brain chemical that, that happens and it regulates our sleep cycle and it's released in greater quantities and sometimes this causes a depressive state. Seasonal affective disorder. And you know how you treat that? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> the standard treatment for that disorder is light therapy. The principle, principle behind this therapy is by increasing one's exposure to the light, the chemicals in the brain are brought back to normal. And the symptoms lessen, and it sometimes even removes uh, this effect of seasonal affective disorder. Uh, but we need physical light, and we know that, but even more importantly, we need God's light. Now, y'all should have really said amen on that. <laughs> I was setting you up. I'm going to say it one more time. We need the light. But more importantly, we need God's light. And the people of the Lord said, yes, yes. We, the church, suffer as well from a light disorder. When we don't walk in the light and love of God, we suffer from something called spiritual atrophy disorder. Yes, when we don't recognize that we are made in the image and likeness of God and carriers of the presence of God, we as people of God act out of character. 
And the Bible says that we perish for the lack of knowledge. You see, when John wrote this epistle, there was a sect within the church of Ephesus who considered them t themselves to be intellectually, spiritually uh, elite. And, uh, you know, when I first got in the Lutheran seminary, I thought this was talking about you all, but no, I'm, I'm Lutheran now. <laughs> <laughs> I am Lutheran. Uh, they were, in fact, claiming to be more superior, and they had a special anointing of uh, the Spirit of God, and they believed that they had received some kind of revelation that was almost an improvement to the gospel message that had been revealed to the apostles and passed down through the church and through the history. And John warned them that if we say that which our characters do not support, we are liars. And my goodness, John said that. I didn't say that. I didn't say it. John said it. If we don't carry the light and love of Christ, John said, we lie. So we, as John reminded the church that God is light, we too need to be reminded that God is light. God is light. And the light lives within us. Life with God is described as walking. And walking implies movement. Going from one place to the next. We are not only walking physically, but we're walking in our minds and in our hearts. It stands for the way that we live. You know, I feel that black preacher thing coming out of me. Y'all better pray. Y'all better pray. If you don't want me to act up today, y'all better start praying, okay? We are to live in a way of walking in the light. It is not a destination. It's a journey. John told us that God is light. And in God, there is no darkness at all. And we know that Jesus is the light of the world. So light... See, that's that black preacher thing coming. <laughs> light is full of hope. And light is full of promises. Light gives us the ability to see. We are God's human partners. Wake up. Yeah. We're God's human partners. Yes, and we know that God is an invisible God. We can't physically see God, 
But God is made visible when we, his people, walk in love, in light. That is when God becomes visible. When we show our love one for another. That is our responsibility as people of, help me preach baby, help me preach. <laughs> That's our responsibility as people of faith. God's light takes visible shape when we God's people reflect his love. I'm saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me to show light and love. The Christian community's love and proof and, and, and uh, the venue for who God is and the advertisement of God is that we love one another. God has ordained us to show the world that the gospel is true. God's ordained us to show the world that the gospel is true. That God the Father sent the Son and the Son lives through us. Luther states, y'all know Luther? Hmm? This is a good theology. I'm telling you, you all, have you all ever read the forgotten works of Luther? There's, yes. Has anybody else read it? <laughs> I would encourage you all to read that because Luther caused a revival to happen. And how many of you know we need a revival of light and love? We need to be respected as the church. My God, today. We need to be respected once again, but it won't be until we start to love and be the light of God and, and love neighbor itself. This is what Luther talked about, loving neighbor Itself. I offer this quote from uh, Nicholas Paul Wolterstoff. He's a professor of um, philosophical theology, and what he says is our worship, if it is well-pleasing to God, will be a sign and a sample of justice. Our worship if it is the worship of the biblical God, will speak of God's love for justice, and that worship will guide our own pursuit of justice. It will energize us. This is the light of God, and this is the love of God. If we can implement the fact that our worship and social justice are inseparable, 
Then we as the church again will be the light of God. We will display God's love and we will become a relevant institution. Now that's a concept, isn't it? The beloved community is a phrase that uh, was much associated with Martin Luther King and in his preaching and his writing. Uh, a beloved community is the vision and practice of honoring one another as fully human, offering the same kind of hospitality to one another that we receive from God in Christ. Uh-huh. And when we do this, we will experience a world of reconciliation, a world of mutuality, and love will reign forth. It will be developed and celebrated. The scripture says, beloved, let us love one another. For God is love, and everyone that loves is born of God. Everyone that loves knows God. Matthew 22 and 39 says, love your neighbor as yourself. When we practice walking, in light and love, we will affirm the presence of God in all persons. When we walk in light and love, we will support all people in their search for truth and meaning. When we walk, look at your neighbor and say, Annie's really preaching. When we walk in love, we will encourage spiritual practices that lead to wholeness. When we walk in light and love, we will be builders of a caring community that pursues justice and peace. When we walk, in light and love, we will be good stewards of God's creation. This is our mandate for mission to simply love one another by making the invisible God visible. Amen. Amen. Do you believe it? Do you? Amen. Let's, let's do this. Let's be this. Thank you, Jesus.